but individual deals also have a greater profit upside. And it's possible to receive the distribution sooner and to receive the initial equity back sooner. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the apartment syndication school, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndications. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks, 
Each week, we air a podcast episode that focuses on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for a lot of these episodes, you will find a free resource to download. So make sure you check out the past episodes for those documents at syndicationschool.com. And in this episode, I want to talk about the differences between investing into individual deals and investing into a fund. So we've talked before about the two types of passive investments. There's the equity investment, which is most common. And then there are the debt investments, which are less common, but they're out there. Typically you see debt investments for smaller deals, like a hard money lender, for example. And you hear someone is a private lender. That would be a debt investor. And one distinction that needs to be made for the equity side, which means that you actually own shares in the LLC that owns the property, is that as a passive investor, I can invest into one deal at a time or I can invest into funds where I invest into a fund that owns multiple deals. So as a apartment indicator, those are your two methods of raising capital to fund your deals. So understanding the differences between the two and the pros and cons for the passive investor will help you decide which one you should use. So again, the two are going to be the individual deals and a fund. So for the individual deals, this is what most indicators do, especially when they first start off, is they will raise money for a single deal at a time. So as an indicator, we always recommend having verbal commitments equal to about 150% at least of the total project costs before you put the deal under contract. And so if you can raise a million dollars, then you want to look for deals that are less than $3 million. That way, you know you can cover it, assuming that a portion of those people actually end up investing. So then you go out and you'll find your deal, and then you'll send that deal out to your list of investors, and then people will commit to the deal, send the PPM, and submit their funds, and then they'll be an investor in that particular deal alone. So it's one deal. With that deal, this indicator follows one business plan. And then obviously that one deal is in a single market. So everything is very unique to one specific deal. A fund is kind of the opposite, where it's a private partnership that rather than buying a single deal, it buys at least two, most likely more pieces of real estate, or for our cases, apartments. So if I'm raising money in a fund, I'll have numerous investors send in their commitments, and then I will use their capital to buy a bunch of apartment communities. So the GP of the fund will, unlike the single deal, might do multiple business plans or they might just do one business plan. So maybe I just do value add deals in my fund or maybe I just do turnkey properties in my fund. But it is possible to do a fund where it's a mixture of business plans I think it's ideal just to focus your energy on one because they are different. And I think you'll have economies of scale if you focus on one as opposed to multiples. But I'm sure there's people out there that do focus on multiple business plans. 
So you've got multiple business plans potentially, obviously multiple deals, and then also it could be in multiple markets or it can be in one market. So there's more diversity across the deals for sure, and then potentially diversity across business plans and the market. So let's talk about the fund. So there's actually two different types of funds that you can create. They're commonly referred to as closed-ended funds or just like a regular fund, and then an open-ended fund also known as the evergreen fund. So for the closed-ended fund, pretty self-explanatory by the name, it has a specific end date. So the investors would commit a certain amount of money to invest, and then the syndicator would continue to accept commitments until they've hit that desired fund goal. So maybe they want to create a $10 million fund, so they'll keep taking commitments until they reach $10 $10 million, and maybe they'll do a waiting list after that up to, say, $5 million or something. And then once they've achieved that desired goal, or maybe before, they will start to buy apartment communities over a certain period of time. So depending on how long the fund is, let's say it's a 10-year fund, it'll be probably around three to five years, maybe. So the fund starts, and then for the first five years, they're continuously buying deals. And then these deals are held, depending on the business plan, for three to seven years. So again, the buy time, and then once you buy that last deal, however long that hold period is, is typically going to be how long that fund will be. So most closed-ended funds you'll see are going to be about 10 years. But as a syndicator, you will also have the opportunity to close the fund early, or you can extend the fund by multiple years too, depending on how you make the contract. Now, for a closed-ended fund, the passive investors are not going to get their initial equity back until the end of the fund. But as I mentioned, some funds might end early. Also, some closed-ended funds might distribute large lump sum profits to the passive investors once an apartment is sold or refinanced. The GP may also have some option to recycle proceeds from a sale or refinance back into the fund if some criteria is met to like the deal was sold before two years or something or refinanced before two years. So very flexible. But it is possible to get some lump sum profit by investing into a fund, but the passive investor is not going to get their full investment back until that fund ends after 10 years or so. The other fund is the open-ended or the evergreen fund. So the main difference between the open-ended and the closed-ended, again, as the name implies, is that the open-ended fund does not have an expiration date or an end date. So rather than accepting commitments up until a certain limit, and then stopping, and then buying deals for a only certain period of time, and then stopping. The money raising and the deal buying is continuous. So an example would be, I raise money up to a certain point, and then I'll buy some deals, and I'll raise more money, and I'll buy some deals, I'll raise more money, I'll buy some deals, or I'll buy a bunch of deals, and then I'll raise a bunch of money, and then I'll buy a bunch of deals, and I'll raise more money. So it could be one at a time, two at a time, it really just depends on how available capital is and how available deals are. So... Unlike the closed-ended fund where the initial equity is only received back at the end of the fund, for evergreen funds, the passive investor can get their equity at any time by selling their shares. Of course, there might be some sort of lockout period where you can't sell your shares for a year without a penalty or something. Again, highly flexible. So those are the types of funds. Now, how do these compare to the individual deals? So when is the passive investor's money due to you, the syndicator? 
Well, when investing in individual deals, passive investor commits, and then shortly thereafter, their funds are due because generally they're going to commit and the deal will be closed within 60 or to 90 days traditionally. And so the money is due pretty quickly. Whereas for a fund, that's not necessarily the case. So what happens with the fund is that, let's say I'm a passive investor, I commit a million dollars to the fund right at the very beginning. And then the syndicators are continually to get commitments for, let's say, a year until they reach their fund limit of $100 million. So for a year, I have not submitted any money yet. And then the syndicators identify a deal, and then they'll send out an email to all of the people who committed and signed the documents of their commitment. And we'll say, hey, we have a deal, and we need either all of your investment or we need a portion of your investment to cover this deal. So this is referred to as a capital call. So again, this could be a portion or all of the capital you committed. And when the GP sends this formal capital call notification, the passive investor is legally obligated to fulfill that call based on whatever their committed amount was and whatever percentage the GP is requesting. And if the passive investor fails to meet that call, then the GP can force them into default And then if this capital call happens after the passive investors already invested some of their money, then they will forfeit their entire ownership in the deal. And then other passive investors can buy that ownership. So depending on what point in the process you make your commitment, or if it's in the beginning, then you might not have to submit your capital or any capital at all for a year or maybe less, maybe more. Or maybe you'll submit all of your capital gradually over three years or five years. Or if you jump right in in the middle, Maybe you submit all of your capital right away. So it varies. Is that a standard timing when which you will have to submit your money? It will depend on the fund for the passive investor. The compensation structure for funds and individual deals are going to be the same. And so the passive investor would be offered a preferred return and or a profit split. That profit split might change to be more favorable to the syndicator once a certain return threshold like an IRR is passed. And then the timing of the ongoing distributions are similar once the past investors have submitted their capital, once a deal has been identified. But the time, as I mentioned, from a commitment to receiving your first distribution has the potential to be longer for the fund because, again, you're committing and then you're only submitting capital at the capital calls. So it might be right. You might, again, receive distributions pretty quickly. It might be a year, and even if you submit a portion of your investment, you're not going to get the full return based off of your entire committed amount until all of your money is in that fund. Return of capital, we already talked about that for the fund, and then investing for individual deals, and past investors get their money back when the deal is sold. So depending on the length of the fund, the length of the hold period for the individual deal, past investors might get their money back earlier in a fund, they might get it back later in a fund, or they might get it back at the same time. Profit upside is going to be a pretty big difference. So for the individual deals, the profit upside is going to be higher because if I'm a passive investor investing in a deal that does really well, then the size of my equity and my distributions grow in proportion to that single deal. Whereas if I'm investing in a fund, then the past investor's return on investment is going to be an average of all the deals in that portfolio. So if a few deals in the portfolio perform exceptionally well, well, the performance of the other average or below average deals is going to flatten the overall return. 
Now, on the flip side, when it comes to risk, that means that there's more profit potential for individual deals, but there's also the greater potential to lose more money in individual deals because if the one deal performs really bad, then a negative effect on the past investor's equity is going to be directly proportionate to the badness or the goodness of the deal. Whereas in a fund, if a few deals perform really badly, well, the performance of the average to above average deals will bring that return up and will dampen or entirely cover any of the passive investors' losses. Something else to consider about the fund is that the passive investor is putting a lot more trust in you, the syndicator, when they're investing into a fund, especially when it's early on in the fund and there aren't any apartments or only a few apartments, right? And so as a passive investor, if I'm investing in an individual deal, I can analyze you, the GP first and say, okay, I really like this guy or girl. And then once a deal comes in, I say, okay, well, I like them, but I don't really like this market or I don't like the business plan or I don't like this deal. So I'm going to pass on this one. Or, okay, I really like this one. I'm going to invest in this one, but I want to invest all of my money into this one deal. Whereas for a fund, all the passive investor can really do is vet the GP and their proposed usage of the funds. But once they make that commitment and a capital call comes in, the passive investor is not allowed to say, oh, well, I don't want to invest in this deal. Or, hey, I actually want to invest all of my money into this deal. The GP gets to decide how much of your capital goes into that deal. And so, again, this could come with added risks to the fund from the perspective of the passive investor because they're putting a lot more trust in the syndicator, which is why the syndicator that opens a fund is most likely going to have a lot of experience. Right? You're not going to start your syndication business by opening a fund. I'm sure it's possible, but you're more likely going to do individual deals and then move to a fund, if ever, much later on. From a tax perspective, the distributions to past investors are taxed the same. So ongoing distributions are subject to income tax. That taxable income might be reduced if the depreciation is passed on to the past investors. And then the profit at the conclusion of the individual deal or the fund are considered gains and it'll be subject to capital gains taxes. It's not necessarily sure how 1031 exchanges work in funds. And then the last thing would be feasibility for the passive investor. And so it's gonna be easier and harder at the same time in the individual deals. So the easy part is that the passive investor doesn't have to be accredited to invest in your syndications if you're raising using 506B. Whereas for the fund, the passive investor is gonna have to be accredited. So no sophisticated investors are allowed to invest in funds. Whereas this is kind of minor, but it might be a deal breaker for some passive investor. But when investing in a fund, the paperwork is less because I'm only signing one set of documents when I'm making my commitment to your fund. Whereas for individual deals, I have to fill out paperwork for each deal. So that's kind of like an upfront thing, but that is one difference. And so really overall, from the passive investor perspective, the major differences between investing in individual deals and investing in a fund is going to be the level of risk. So individual deals, a little bit more risky, but minor. It could be offset by a really good GP, a really good business plan, a really good market. So it could be riskier, but individual deals also have a greater profit upside. And it's possible to receive the distribution sooner and to receive the initial equity back sooner. 
Whereas for funds, they are diversified across multiple apartments, potentially multiple markets. Risks are reduced. But then because of that reduction in risk, the upsides are also flattened. And it's likely that a passive investor's money is going to be tied up a little bit longer and that distributions will start a little bit later. And so that's some of the characteristics, the pros and the cons of the individual deal investing versus the fund investing. And this was inspired by an interview I did with Chris Benson, who does, I believe, an evergreen fund, the way he was explaining it in the show. I don't think the episode has aired yet, but all the information I talked about today, he talked about in the episode, and I did some further research to bring more information to the table. So yes, that concludes this episode on the differences between investing in individual deals and investing into a fund. Make sure you check out our other syndication school series episodes, and those are free documents I was talking about at the beginning of the show at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Bob Malecki and his team at Resolution Capital Management partner with individuals to invest in distressed residential mortgage notes. If you're interested in doing a joint venture with them, where basically you invest alongside with them and sharing a portion of the profits based on how well that individual project goes, then go to rcm.company forward slash JV. That's rcm.company forward slash JV.